0: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Andy Lister and Don Fox from IG Private Wealth Management are normally here, just Andy today, Don Fox is on vacation, and sitting in is Gary Hogan, senior financial consultant with IG uh, Private Wealth Management. Welcome Gary, thanks for coming in. And of course, if you want to have a question answered by these two, you can call now, leave a message, they will return your call at 905-529-7165. And don't forget about the website andyanddon.com, that's andyanddon.com, all one word. Good morning gentlemen, to see you. Good to see you, Gary. Good Thank morning, Scott.
1: Scott. Is, do you think summer is actually going to arrive? <laughs> Can I complain I about know. complain about man. the weather for a minute?
0: Oh man! It, well, Jeez. you might as well try. I Today's going to any good? Exactly. It's going to be gorgeous. But we are going to talk about financial well-being, so maybe that will add some sunshine to your life.
1: I think so. And this is—I uh, think it's food for thought—and it's certainly a trend in terms of what IG Private Wealth is doing in the future of, of trying to measure the results or the success of us financially. Not mm-hmm. only what you're doing in your own financial life but also what we're doing to assist you in your financial life as well. So we call it, we're calling it the financial well-being and the financial well-being scores. And most listeners today are probably either currently dealing with a financial advisor or a financial planner. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's maybe good advisors and there's bad advisors and there's a lots of different uh, reasons why somebody might be good or bad or, or, or it could have something to maybe what, what are their credentials? Do mm-hmm. they, are they a CFP? Uh, what's their experience? How many years of experience have they had or in what particular area? Do they have a specialization or special designations? There's you know, registered retirement consultants. There's certified divorce specialists. There's elder planning counselors, all kinds of different designations yeah. and that's confusing too. What does all that mean? And um, or maybe you got referred to somebody A friend who said, oh, you've got to talk to my advisor, and you've been referred. So there's all kinds of different reasons we end up working with an advisor. And the the question is, how do you measure... Your success. How do you measure your financial well-being overall? And I, I guess it's sort of in essence. If you thought about your health too, right? How do you how do you assess your overall health and how you're doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we know in terms of our health, there's lots of different tools that we can use to measure it. We go obviously we go in for annual uh, yeah. annual health review. <clears throat> um, an annual health update and making sure of blood tests. We look at our exercise, our cholesterol. There's all kinds of different ways to measure it, and tends it's tended to be in the financial world. You might just measure uh, your your investments. Mm-hmm. You know, what was my rate of return? Yeah, how much I make? How much did I make? Yeah. And and certainly that's a component of it. But what we've really dis- what we've really found out is that there's three components to someone's financial well being, mm-hmm. and there's we call that we call them alpha, beta and gamma. Mm -hmm. And alpha is described in the financial world as the excess or the enhanced return that you're getting over and above an index or a portfolio. So for example, if you had a moderate portfolio and the average moderate portfolio averaged 5%, but your moderate portfolio was doing Mm 5.5%, you had 0.5% gamma, or sorry, uh, alpha. You had alpha, which is enhanced return over and above a measured index or a portfolio, a benchmark kind of thing. Beta, the second component, measures the volatility of your investment. So how did you achieve that 5.5%? Yeah, you did better. But was it like a toilet seat up and down all over the place? And, you know, you really had a lot of volatility, which doesn't help with your sleep at night factor. And it certainly doesn't help with confidence as you think about heading into retirement or Mm -hmm. if you're already retired. So beta, alpha and beta are in the financial world are used a lot to measure the results of someone's portfolio. Mm -hmm. But there's a third component, which we call gamma. And gamma is been shown and there was a study recently done that was done by Canaccord Wealth on the Canadians with a financial advisor for at least 15 years. And what the study found is that those working with somebody, working with a financial advisor, or financial planner for 15 years or longer, accumulated 290% more assets, mm. 290% more assets. Two main components of that were increased savings. So through encouragement through cash flow management, through analyzing someone's situation, you were encouraged or kept track of putting more away towards your retirement. And the second big component was the discipline around the ups and downs in the market. So we sort of you know, you prevented somebody from jumping off the wall, (laughs) jumping off the cliff when they when things were going down, you know, or buying into the markets and the froth when things are going up. And there's probably a couple of other key areas that would make sense too when it comes to Gamma. Uh, Certainly portfolio management, you know, having the right asset allocation model, your behavioral coaching, like we talked about, Mm -hmm. you know, helping you talk through, you know, maybe incurring too much debt for certain projects, whether it's a renovation, maybe it's buying a car, uh, any anything to do around your investment behavior as well. Um, tax strategies. What have, yeah. what advice have you received in terms of minimizing tax just today, but also in the future and with respect to your estate? And then when you think about retirement, withdrawal strategies. How are you going to structure your retirement paycheck, that mm-hmm. income stream that you're going to get every month? And then in terms of total wealth management, maybe there's other th- other areas. Of course, would be in terms of your business planning. What have you? What are you doing around that? What are you doing around your estate? What are you doing around insurance, etc.? So all of these things are what we call gamma, and they're provided through the the longevity of a f- of disciplined financial advice that you're getting from your financial planner. Okay, so it's alpha, beta, and gamma, and when you actually measure the total success of those three areas, about 70% of the results is coming from Gamma. Mm -hmm. All those other things that are going on behind the scenes that are keeping you disciplined and keeping you towards achieving your goals. And so uh, what we've been doing at IG Wealth, Private Wealth Management, is we've introduced and it just started this year, and this is unique in the industry, is we're actually going to put a score. To your financial well-being, hmm. we're going to take you as a client,
0: like a credit score,
1: like a credit score. Yeah, we're going to take you as a client. We're going to analyze six key components of your total financial plan, and we're going to give you a score between zero and a hundred. Mm-hmm. And so, what that score is going to tell us is there's, uh, you know, you may be doing really well in certain categories. But you might be, uh, you know, you may you not know, be well covered in another category. Right. But it's also going to identify what are the opportunities, what are the things that we should think about or consider, too. So it's a bit of a measurement of ourselves as advisors, too. Are we doing our homework? Are, 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 what other opportunities can we explore with you? But also to give you a measurement in terms of what you've been doing and your commitment to the process as well. Mm-hmm. And then you can take that score to try and measure it against other advisors as well yeah. to, k- to give you an idea. Am I really getting this kind of advice from someone else as well? Mm. And I think that that's where the biggest confusion still exists out there today is that people think about their financial advisor as their investments. Right. And they're not, not the whole package, not the, not yeah. the gamma part. They're yeah. not, they're not getting the gamma to the extent they should be. So, You know, again, so is your advisor demonstrating that gamma through? Is it tax savings? Maybe it's debt management, cash flow management, and so the well-being score, as I said, is designed to improve your overall financial well-being. And what's fascinating to me too is I love the idea. What we've done is that it's based on, the score is based on your planned activities, so the things that we've already built into your plan, mm-hmm. and your current strategies. For example, maybe you've got a pack set up where you're doing a pre-authorized contribution, you're adding money to your savings on an ongoing basis. Uh, it might be the types of products that you're currently using in your plan. Do you have insurance in your plan? Do you have other uh, cash management products in your plan? And the other unique part is that we're using artificial intelligence to analyze your current, to analyze current and past client information. And so what we mean by that is that we're using the advanced art of, of artificial intelligence yeah. to compare you at your stage in life, at your income level, and based on the, pro- what are other people doing and how well are they doing right. relative to you? And so that will make up a component, about a third of your total score or opportunity to get a high score mm-hmm. in your overall financial well-being. So the, I guess the main thing too is we want to understand is how capable you are at meeting your goals. And can you withstand the challenges? And as I said, you're going to get between zero and 100. And we're trying to uh, identify or understand those opportunities to improve your financial well-being. So there's six main categories. And I'm going to tell you, and I actually printed off one of my client's scores here to take a look at how they were doing. Now, this was a good one. So next week, we'll talk about a bad one. Right, you didn't bring mine in. Did <laughs> <you>? I didn't <laughs> bring yours okay, in. Okay, good. I just <laughs> want to make sure that. So the, old, the, the, the categories would be your optimizing your retirement. And so this is basically the ability to meet your retirement goals. We look at your, your financial plan that we've created for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second would be preparing for the unexpected. And this is going to be insurance. Uh, so what would happen in case of a disability, for emergency funds, in case of a critical illness? These are all different areas that we would want to understand how you're doing in, in each of those categories. The next one is planning for major expenditures. So planning for major expenditures could be, for example, education for your mm-hmm. children. It could be for a major vacation that you've got as part of your retirement goals, etc. Uh, the fourth category is managing cash flow effectively. Mm-hmm. So in this case, we're understanding, you know, this is how much you make, but how much are you actually saving? Yeah, you know, and a lot of times people make a lot of income, but relatively speaking, they're not saving as much right. as they could be. Or they've got a um, high debt ratio. So we, the, the computer would analyze your debt payments mm-hmm. versus your, your, how much mortgage you have. Is Are you at the high risk of that? Uh, the fifth one is sharing your wealth, um, which is all about uh, leaving a legacy. Right. So have you saved enough, or is there going to be anything left over by the time it's all said and done? And, um, and then finally, we would talk about uh, sharing uh, sh- the business success as well. Mm-hmm. So, if you've got a, if you're a business owner, how is that business success going to play out for you as well? So, in my score, I picked up for a client of mine. Uh, they ended up with a ninety. Now, I have mm. to tell you that was one of the higher ones, so yeah. I picked that on purpose. And um, in terms of optimizing their retirement, they had they're at a hundred percent. Uh, planning for major expenditures a hundred percent score. Preparing for the unexpected insurance was ninety five percent. Sharing your wealth was at seventy percent. So it means they're probably spending, you know, mm-hmm. a fair amount of their income as they survive yeah. uh, make it through to re- end of retirement. And then managing cash flow efficiently was sixty five percent. So when we looked at their retirement, we call it what is their retirement paycheck going to be? Their goal was to have $6,100 a month of income after tax, and it's actually, uh, uh, in analyzing it, they're actually going to end up with $6,800, an improvement of about $700 over and above where we Mm. thought they would be. And the opportunities that jumped out at that were looking at... and maybe there might be some life insurance required or long-term care insurance required as part of their retirement that might help make their uh, legacy last longer and then the other one was setting up a pack or a pre-authorized contribution so that their TFSAs are automatically topped up every year, etc. Do
0: you have an average number for the average client where it would be? Yeah, so the that's average a good one. That right? is a
1: good one. So the average is in the six is in the low sixties. Really? So yeah. Not that, average is average. The average is average. It's low sixties. <laughs> so yeah. next week I'm going to talk to you about somebody who's in the sixties, and uh, we'll find out what they're missing and, right. and where the opportunities are going right.
0: to be. Is, it, is there that much of a difference between the people that are doing it successfully and the people that aren't from a financial perspective, or is it all up here?
1: No, you know what? I, I can see. definitely see when I look at, when I sit down with that couple that's got 90%, we're yeah. talking about things at a very comfortable level in terms of they're confident about yeah. where they're going, about how their plan's working. When I'm talking to somebody with a 60 score, yeah. there's, there's questions yeah. and concerns.
0: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Gary Hogan are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Gary Hogan are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Don on vacation this week. Uh, and, of course, you can call now and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. All right, Gary, I want to talk about things that are misunderstood in finance. Yeah, there's, uh, of
2: course, uh, and first of all, it's, it's great to be here filling in mm. for Don. Uh, Scott, and uh, we were just mentioning before uh, we went on air that uh, Andy and I did a show almost 20 years ago. That's hilarious. So yeah. it's uh, it, it's familiar, but uh, it's been a long time. Yeah, but welcome anyway, back. I'm very happy to be here yeah, today. That's great. Right. Yeah, there, there's, uh, there's some things, and I thought I'd break it down and, and uh, just cover off uh, issues, a few issues that uh, were brought up in the most recent federal budget, some proposals that were brought up. And I know, uh, speaking with different clients, there's uh, there's not a great deal of clarity on what these changes are. So I, I wanted to touch on that. Also, uh, some estate issues, estate planning items that I thought would be important to, uh, to profile. Um, also, uh, a quick discussion about OAS and CPP. I know that that's a topic I'm sure the fellows have covered that off in the past a number of times. But I just wanted to highlight a couple of aspects of where things are now because, again, uh, I'm sure we all get a lot of questions as we go along as to what the current status yeah. is of those uh those government programs. uh Just touch very quickly on what an informal trust is and how that works and how people can take advantage of it and then lastly, uh some investment planning issues uh, different kinds of risk uh, I think this will dovetail nicely on what Andy uh, covered off because uh you know that's a that's also an area that uh that people have some difficulty in just really understanding. Uh, why they feel the way they feel mm-hmm. about about different things. Um, so just to begin, then uh, I think in terms of budget items, I, I received a, an inquiry from a client uh, pertaining to the uh, the advanced life deferred annuity option, which was which was introduced in the in the budget. Uh, that is to begin in twenty twenty next year. Uh, that, of course, uh, is if the Liberals win the election at the mm-hmm. end of the year, then, you know, we'll <laughs> we'll That's likely weird. You may have that. to come back and read yeah, it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so there were questions about that in terms of, you know, what does it mean? Does it, you know, can I benefit from this and so on? So essentially, um, th- there's a couple different ways to look at it. There are people uh, who have uh, sufficient income when they retire outside of the government pensions. mm mm-hmm and for those people when they are mandated to start drawing from their rifs which uh if they haven't needed the money would typically be age 71 uh that money is is of course added to their their already uh sufficient income yeah. taxed and uh and you know there's the potential risk of uh, oas clawbacks and so on depending on on whereabouts they are on the on the income scale uh, so when they do receive their their RIF income, uh, they may typically just flip it over out, you know. And yeah. again, it's taxes uh, owing on that, but they'll flip it over into perhaps their TFSA or whatever the case may be. Um, with the 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 proposed ALDA, as it's uh, as it's acronymed, uh, the lifetime limit is is twenty five percent of whatever's in the registered plan, up to a maximum of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So if we if we look at someone who has uh, 400000 for example, in their, their uh, registered investments, they can take 25% of that, redirect that as part of the ALDA program, and, uh, and that portion of the income, they are not required to take and therefore right. pay taxes on until they're 85. Right. So, mm. you know, there's certain situations where that certainly uh, can be beneficial, it, it can be it, it is beneficial the longer someone lives yeah in that example, example. so yeah. if someone lives to be a hundred then they, they can uh, you know they can really take advantage of the of the program um, if they defer uh, 25 percent of their registered income and uh, as a as a, a sole survivor of a, of a, of a marriage uh, then that will be brought into income because it hasn't been taxed, it hasn't been withdrawn, so it it can backfire in some cases right. too. So it's it's like a lot of things that we we see. Um, it really just depends, you know, and that that has to on be our initial answer yeah. on, on on many questions. Is it depends, and let's talk about the details and how it affects your your situation. So uh, that's one area that uh, I I know that there's there's still a lot of people that aren't too familiar with with what that option is going to look like. So I thought I would just uh, touch on that very quickly. The uh, the Home Buyers Plan. I actually had a, a call just last week uh, from a client and uh, who detailed uh, their situation, wondering if uh, she would be eligible uh, for the Home Buyers Plan. And uh, in this case, uh, the the wife in particular was not ever on title of the property. Mm. So uh, based on that, and because she never owned a home with the old rules, she was able to. Uh, apply for the right. the the Home Buyers Plan. Uh, there are a number of, of proposed changes uh, moving forward with the Home Buyers Plan, and really uh, the 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 changes that have been proposed really benefit uh, people as they move along in the aging process, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of surprising. Uh, statistics that have been gathered by Statistics Canada show that in terms of registered assets. People that are uh, 55, for example, 55 to 64 years of age, have about $90,000 in registered assets. 65 and older, 93, and 45 to 54 years of age, 65. If we go down to the first-time homebuyers, uh, who who are typically first-time homebuyers, uh, the under 35 mm-hmm. age group, their their average assets are 10000 mm-hmm. So even though the the limit for the homebuyers plan has been increased from 25. Thousand to thirty-five thousand. Yeah. It really doesn't benefit the majority of younger people who are going to tap into their RSps uh, for the benefit or from the benefit of the Home Buyers Plan. So what what the government is also doing is they've removed or they will be removing a number of existing restrictions um, so that when there's marital breakups, because ironically uh, the
0: uh, individuals 50 and Is that over. what this is primarily designed to do is well, when your life changes midway through?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's recogni- it's it's always hard to determine what the intent was yeah. to,
0: when the rules change, but usually to generate revenue. Yes, <laughs> that's 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 very much so the case. Uh, I, but, I But like you said, I mean this is like a one-time hit the way it normally was. Yeah. Now this is sort of giving you another right. opportunity.
2: Right. So when know. there's when there's marital breakdowns and, yeah. and and basically uh one in 5 people um, as they get to a, you know, a, a re- close to a retirement age, one in five people are, are divorced yeah. or are separating. Yeah. So uh, that's a recognition that the government has obviously picked up on. Yeah. And they're looking at that saying, okay, well, you can actually still participate in a home buyer's plan, take money from your RSP, mm. uh, even though it's not your first home. Right. So there's there's some exceptions that are being introduced and, and made available. So that, uh, it's important. Go, going forward, what that really means is it's important not just for younger people as first-time home buyers, but mm. it's important for people as they're at various stages in their life sure. to, uh, to look at what opportunities exist with this plan. Mm. And as advisors, we certainly have to be and are aware that, that these changes are coming, and we have to uh, make sure that we counsel uh, our prospective clients and clients what options that they have. So a couple of, uh, of, of budget issues uh, to touch on there, and also in terms of, uh, of estate issues. I know uh, Andy, Don, and I, we all get questions on a regular basis about estate planning, about what things might look like given, given various uh, circumstances. So I thought I would touch on, uh, on, on four different areas of estate planning. Uh, Henson trusts are, are trusts that uh, are set up so that assets that are held for the benefit of a person living with a disability mm-hmm. uh, are not considered assets belonging to them. So therefore, don't put uh, their situation at risk as far as asset-tested uh, benefits, government right. benefits that would be available. Uh, so there's, there's a number of conditions that have to be met, but in essence, uh, the bottom line is that uh, the, the settler, the, 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 the person who is is directing the money the the end beneficiary, of course, is the disabled person, and uh, the money is never considered uh, to be owned by the beneficiary. Right. So there's lots of cases that we see. I just had one myself very recently. Um, it was an inheritance, and in those situations, of course, a Henson trust makes perfect sense because it does protect that individual from receiving the mm-hmm. the income that uh, that they they would be entitled to. So um, I know that the the biggest concern that I've run into uh, with people about this issue is, you know, how do we, you know, how do we set this up so that we're not going to jeopardize the disability income? Yeah. Uh, so there definitely is an opportunity. There's been there's been precedents. It's it's been something that we've been recommending Annie for probably 30, 25, 30 years.
1: The Henson Trust. Yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: So it's uh, it's definitely an option that that's out there. Um, the next item that I wanted to touch on is uh, something that that we see so often when people uh, make determinations who they want to act as their executor hmm. for their estate. Uh, typically, the decision is predicated on: Do I trust this person? You know, are they part of my family? Are they are they going to make sure that they look after me? And it's it's often a very emotional decision, yeah. as opposed to really understanding what the responsibilities and, uh, accountabilities are for the person acting as an executor and so it's not an easy, it can be, it can be very laborious. It can be very challenging. Uh, and you know, there's, there's definite risks there in terms of making sure that everything is done the way it should be. Uh, all the obligations are addressed and uh, certainly the executor has to be careful that they don't, uh, do anything prematurely as far as uh distributing assets uh, without a sense of what the what the end game will be as far as making sure that they have
1: enough resources to to settle everything of course none of the beneficiaries need it right away right it's not like they can can wait they can wait knocking on the door
0: got that done yet (laughs) yeah Yeah. i can imagine how that is yeah yeah and
2: you know we've we've seen it so many times uh, and and really um what people have to be aware of is is the first of all what is a clearance certificate, and most people are not familiar with what that is unless they've ever acted as mm-hmm. an executor, and typically they wouldn't have learned what it was until they got very close to the end of the process. So the clearance certificate really is just something that um, that where Revenue Canada comes back and says the estate has been settled, right and uh You're done yeah and, and so people people actually know that that as executors what they've done uh is from a legal standpoint is is satisfactory and um and everything has the been taxes been, are paid yeah, and
0: up to date yeah a bit yeah, yeah. everything is yeah. and we've talked about this many times is the average person qualified to do this? Because you said what you know most do. Honesty, someone you can trust, right. someone you know is gonna you know that being said, over and above the good guy or good girl, is the average person qualified to do this, is it outside the average person's wheelhouse? And mm-hmm. where do they find the information? How do yeah, they know it's, what to do? It's it's very dependent on
2: on on the mm. complications of, of that particular estate. Yeah. I mean some estates to settle them can be extremely yeah. challenging and time consuming. Others are very straightforward. Um, but what what executors have to realize is that there have been, you know it has become a litigious situation mm-hmm. when executors are not doing a, a legally proper job yeah. and, and who uh, tells
0: the executor how to do it.
2: Well, you you would work w- with a lawyer. Right. You would work with so the they financial would guide advisor. you through that. Yeah, and and Andy and I and Don, we've we've all been in situations where we've really uh, coached yeah uh, the the client through. Um, but they certainly would be getting advice from their lawyer as well. Yeah. And um, but really, it's it's a it's a job that that you know it if we looked at a list of potential responsibilities of an executor honestly it would yeah. be a couple of pages long yeah. uh, potentially yeah. but like i said some are some are relatively uh, straightforward but but obtaining this this clearance certificate uh, is is really critical because typically in in a in a in, a, in a, t- a typical estate what will happen is there there could be an initial distribution of assets and then beyond that uh, the final distribution, mm-hmm. but the executor has to ensure that uh, that they've held back uh, sufficient funds. So uh, I know, uh, as as Andy does, uh, the the whole issue of a clearance certificate is 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 really unknown until people get into that situation.
0: Here's another uh, question from someone who's never done this: um, what, uh, Is there an order in which you have to do things? Do you have to do things like pay tax, pay debt, do all that stuff first? and then there's a pile of money. Then you decide where that goes with the beneficiaries and such, or is it possible for, as you guys were saying, you know, I want the money now. There's always somebody that wants the money yeah. now. Can anything, can you that's give money out before everything's done?
2: You, you can, but that's, there's, there's a huge element of risk. With right. That. Yeah. So you have to, you have to get an understanding of what the taxes are going to look like. Yeah. You have to get an understanding of what all the, da- you, you have to assemble all the paperwork. So, so you've you got understand. to know the end game. before Yeah. You're yeah. Doling very any very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. And, Um, the other thing about this is that the beneficiaries have to sign off Mm -hmm. on this. So, you know, you can't just go through the process and then say, okay, here's the distribution, you're done, no. It
1: has to be signed off. But the lawyers should be counseling people on that. Yeah, and I think that's probably the biggest overwhelming thing is people underestimate how much time they're going to have to commit to this. Right. Yeah. So over uh, –
0: you said beneficiaries have to sign off on this. So are they involved in this process as well, or how much are they involved in process? Only at the
2: end, typically, in terms of – now – Beneficiary can also be the executor, right? So right. then you've got sure. you're wearing two hats. But yep. but typically, arm's length beneficiaries uh, simply acknowledge that what they're receiving mm-hmm. is
0: acceptable to them, right. and that's th- so they're really just involved at the end, right. as a rule. And that's really the only say yeah. that they get is here it is. Is, right. is there much recourse if they don't like what they see? Well, a will happens? a
2: will is public information, and and it can be it can be challenged. It can be you right. know so, um, but. You know, that's, that's fortunately relatively rare, but it does right. happen.
0: Right. Okay. Uh, We've got about a minute left.
2: Okay. Very quickly, uh, so many, you know, people walk into uh, to a lending institution, and let's use the banks as an example. Um, they, they, they take out a mortgage, they apply for a mortgage, it's approved, and almost as, a, as an automatic process with a check mark, uh, many people are asked to sign up for mortgage insurance. Yeah and i want to talk about that very briefly because there's there's some issues with mortgage insurance and we know cuz we run into it all the time
0: um, Why don't you hold that thought yeah. and we'll uh, regroup here right. and uh, we'll st- we'll do that first right off the break when we return. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Gary Hogan are with us from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. And don't forget the website, andyanddon.com. Quick break here. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister is here, Don Fox away this week, filling in Gary Hogan and and they are from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message, 905-529-7165, and check out the website at Andyandon.com. That's AndyandDon.com. Gary, you were talking about mortgage insurance.
2: Yeah, I'll just uh, maybe uh, wrap a bow around that very quickly. Uh, there's a, There's a couple of issues pertaining to mortgage insurance that people should be aware of, and I think are quite significant as compared to their own personal life insurance policy. Uh, with mortgage insurance, the the lending institution, in this example, the bank, is actually the beneficiary. Yeah. So uh, if if there is a passing, uh, the individual, the survivors, do not have an option as to what they do with that money. The mortgage is paid, the bank is satisfied, and that's the end yeah. of it. Uh, with with a personal life insurance policy, then certainly, an individual, a surviving spouse, for example, may decide to allocate some of that money. Uh, towards the mortgage, some mm-hmm. of that money towards uh, some other expenses right so it 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 really takes the options away when when it's uh, when it's strictly a mortgage insurance uh, coverage. And also too, uh, the payments don't change mm-hmm. and but the but the, the balance decreases. Right. yeah. so
0: the longer you own the home, the right. less you owe right therefore right. the less you would receive correct? exactly. Yeah. so with
2: with your own personal policy that that fixed amount, yeah. Uh, the death benefit would uh, would stay in place. So those are just a couple things, but I, I know that uh, people are signing a lot of documents when they go in to get their mortgage. It's mm. just another thing to take care of yeah. and, and they do it. And,
1: um, and portability sometimes can be a question as well, yeah. right? If you transfer your mortgage to another institution because they want a lower rate, yeah. now your insurance doesn't go with you. So right. you have to start over. Right, right. And, and you may not be insurable mm. in the round, second round. Yeah, as time goes Something on. Something may have happened. Yeah.
2: Yeah, And I think uh, also, too, just uh, in terms of this, the uh, earlier discussion about uh, the possible clawback scenario with uh, you know, people that are retired and drawing, you know, drawing their, their RIF income, uh, basically uh, the way it works right now, uh, at 65, uh, op- 65 years of age uh, in 2019, $123,386 of, uh, of income, uh, would result in a full clawback, because mm-hmm. clawbacks of course are incremental. If someone's 70 and they've, they've waited until then, the clawback would be 141000 So So uh, it's it's really important just to, you know, in the interest of planning, as Andy was talking about earlier, to make sure that these things are, people are aware of these things and then of course a more appropriate course of action can, uh, can take place. Um, I think i'll I'll just uh close with a, a something that I thought was really interesting it's been a it's been a remarkable year in terms of the markets um, but i uh I just wanted to highlight a a couple of, of headlines mm-hmm. that uh you know that that I've seen and uh, and this really drives home the point that that a lot of these things we should really not pay a lot of attention to because mm. it changes like the wind so yeah. uh, so these are all these are all current uh headlines stocks decline as investor concerns escalate hmm. canada strategic or strategists i should say predict double digit gains despite risks economics or e- economists i should say cautiously optimistic for 2019 why the s&p 500 is set for 32 percent appreciation in 2019 and the again these are all current bundled yeah. in a very short period of time all over the tsx marks a new two-year low. Hmm. And lastly, North American markets plunge for a second day. So when people hear these sound bites mm-hmm. over time, they have to be very careful to put them in perspective. And, and we've known for years that uh, we don't hear a lot about the markets when they're doing really well. Yeah. <laughs> but we <laughs> certainly do yeah. when they're not. And that yeah. causes, uh, to Andy's point earlier, that causes a lot of uh, frustration frustration. And and does affect investor behavior.
0: It's it's funny because you would think if people are uh, using the services of a financial planner, they would take a step back, and know that that's your job. You monitor it. You do what you're doing. This is so I can go and live life. Do you find that people who have financial planners, uh, obviously they're they're well they're knowledgeable of, of of their situation, but they also want to be involved. If
2: they, if they receive the kind of gamma that Andy was talking about earlier, then they will feel far more confident. They, if they're executing from a plan Mm -hmm. that's, that's active, uh, then, then they'll feel far more confident because they understand that markets do go up and down. You know, in the last 31 years, markets have gone up 21 years and and gone down 10. Mm -hmm. And so we have to, you know, we have to be aware that, that this is the reality overall. When markets go up, they go they go up more frequently. Yeah, they stay up for longer than the 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 downturns. Yeah. and they they advance uh, more aggressively than the downturns do uh, in a negative way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when people realize that if they're going to get long term growth in in a portion of their portfolio, uh, we all have to
0: be prepared. It's to, an up and down to, game. Yeah, it yeah.
1: is. But it's overall, it's mostly up.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I uh, got about another minute and a half. Yeah, and I
1: think w- when I think about the the challenges around that market volatility, uh, it, in, it probably in terms of the relationship, in a brand new relationship, if you've just been a client of mine for the last year, mm. you're still yes. perhaps thinking the old way about yeah. uh, analyzing the markets. What's going on? What's my portfolio doing? And as you start to see the gamma that we're talking about, the extra uh, added value in the improvement to your financial well-being, mm. you begin to recognize that that, Portfolio volatility is just part of the part and parcel. It makes you wonder. It
0: makes you wonder why. What is the reason people use a financial planner? Like I remember when I first started way back yes. when, and I've told you the story a million times. When you know, you started making money, and then all of a sudden had to pay too much tax. Like, what the heck is this? And yeah. that's how that was the first stage for me getting into this. Yes, uh, for me it was. I, I was thinking very little about my my investments in turning 65, I was thinking about, I, I'm making this money. I don't want to pay any more tax. How do yes. I get around this? Yes. So does, does that change as we go through life for people? Your compl- I guess the
1: complexity of people's financial yeah. lives in, increases and the, and the risks, you know, when you start off and you're young, if you, if you risked everything at a new job yeah. and you had to start over again, you don't have a lot to lose. Deal, yeah. When you're 55 and you have to start over yeah. again, yeah. that's a big, it's a lot more weight on your shoulders. Yeah. And so I think people are definitely worry more about that.
0: It was funny because. because. Because for me, it was about saving tax, not not necessarily investing for my future. Although now, I'm glad I did.
1: But that's why I'm glad you were motivated. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) As
0: long as you get there, right? We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Gary Hogan are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Going to take a quick break. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Gary Hogan are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Don Fox away today uh 905 529 7165 call leave a message they'll return your call and don't forget the website andyandon.com. that's andyandon.com talking about annuity
1: paradox the annuity paradox and in terms of planning for retirement this is something that we've chatted about before annuities and I've been bringing it up over the last several years and when i first started in this industry we rarely talked about annuities. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, more people had defined benefit pension plans. And so yeah, that was a pretty, needed. you already had an annuity. Yeah, yeah. So the concept of have, buying your own annuity didn't make a lot of sense necessarily. And what we know has happened that the defined benefit pension plans have gone the way of the dodo bird. And, yeah. and there's very few of them out there. And most of us are relying on our the money that we've saved. We've mm-hmm. got a pile of cash in our RSPs, etc., And now we're just figuring out the best way to generate an income for ourselves. So I was reading an article and I thought it was interesting how they talked about the annuity paradox. And the paradox being that Uh, The scenario that this uh, actuarialist talked about was an individual who had been retired for a number of years that had both a defined benefit pension plan from her former employer, but also some significant savings on her own, which she had put into stocks. Mm -hmm. And in asking her how she felt about buying a life annuity with some of those savings, she gave a hard no. Mm -hmm. You know, no, I'm not going to take my money. I'm using my cash. I'm enjoying my life. I don't want it. And, um, so, th- and we all know the other part of the annuity is that the fear of when you die, it's gone. So that yeah. wasn't form part of her estate as well. So then the second question, the follow-up question was, well, let's say your former employer who's de- giving you your defined contribution pension plan came to you, wrote, you said that you could cash it all in and you could now take that money and put it into your savings, just like your other RSP savings, put mm-hmm. it into your stocks, etc. Would you do that? And again, it was a hard no. So here's the paradox, right? That on the one hand, the individual would not buy an annuity Mm. with their cash, but given the option to cancel their their annuity and take the cash, they didn't want to do that either. Mm. So we know that, um, that annuities have an important place in terms of providing a security and peace of mind and obviously longevity protection as well. So... One of the thought processes, and this actually goes back to what Gary was talking about with the ALDAs, the Advanced Life Deferred Annuities, uh, and using sort of similar numbers to that. An example was a couple age 65 today and they've built uh, 600,000 in RRSP savings and they've both got Canada Pension Plan and Old Age Security, but no private pensions, so mm-hmm. no pension plan. And when we looked at uh, their portfolio, if they converted their RSP to a RIF and they started taking an income each year, they could safely take 56,000 a year from that stock portfolio. And in good times, when there's a good return on their investments, they could take up to 70,000 a year. So 56 to 70,000 was the range of income that Mm. they could take. Uh, So certainly there's a a fair amount of volatility there in terms of what they would receive. When we do an analogy then and we say, let's take 25% of your RRSPs, which works out to 150,000, which is exactly the same rules as Mm -hmm. the ALDA rules. You can only take 25% up to 150,000. And now we use that to purchase a joint life annuity for the couple. And what do we end up with then in terms of income going forward? Well, at the low end, the safe income level has now risen from fifty-six up to sixty thousand a year. Mm-hmm. And the good return income has almost stayed the same. Instead of being seventy, it's at sixty-nine thousand. So what we ended up with was we narrowed the range of potential returns from fifty-six to seventy, so a fourteen thousand volatility gap down to only 9,000. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about it, given the choice, if you were to ask people, would you rather have more certainty of income between 60 and 69,000, or more uncertain income between 56 and 70, almost everyone would choose yeah. the more certain income, particularly when you think about the retirement phase. Sure, And uh, so, being more predictable is obviously better for many of us, peace of mind and confidence into retirement. And, uh, and you could still get a higher return if your, if your money did, um, did well. But more importantly, if your stocks, if your stock savings did poorly, Mm -hmm. that's when you really take the hit in terms of your income. And you avoid that for the most part by blending together Mm -hmm. an annuity along with your savings. And so the bottom line is I think, um, that today, annuities still make sense, but like anything, you wouldn't have a hundred percent of your money in annuities, right. and you probably wouldn't have a hundred percent of your money just in savings. Mm-hmm. So, we know that those two extremes. Don't make a lot of sense really because when you talk yeah. to people, so there is got to be a balance, and I like that twenty-five percent figure that the Alda has come up with um, as a good starting point. So experiment or ask your financial planner what would it look like if I took twenty-five percent of my RSPs up to one hundred fifty thousand and we purchased a joint annuity for ourselves. Tell us about how that's going to secure our income and what that might mean to us going forward mm-hmm. in terms of retirement. And uh, so <coughs> it's a it's a Great exercise, and again, uh, we always know people that have defined benefit pension plans. They love them. Yeah, that the check rolls in every month. Sure, they don't have to think about it. They're not worried about market volatility, and to the extent that that covers their base costs, that frees them up mm-hmm. to spend their other savings, yeah. and I think enjoy a better lifestyle. You know, the ability to spend a little more during their go-go years mm. while they can without worry about outliving their money. And the comfort level of knowing that there's a steady income. Exactly, right. for the rest of their Emotionally, life. Emotionally, yeah.
0: And yeah. that's what you're trying to do in the end game with all of this? You don't want to outlive it, yeah, that's, yeah, that's for sure. It. All <laughs> right, we have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Gary Hogan have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. Don Fox off this week. He'll be back next. And of course, you can leave a message at 905-529-7165. They'll return your call and check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's Andy and Don on AllOneWord.com. You can listen to old archive shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, Have a great Scott. Week. Enjoy a Saturday. God. Appreciate it.